Welcome to the Wayzata Free Conversations podcast. This week, we kick off a two-part series on vulnerability and worship, where our host, Sarah Galligan, has a conversation about what it looks like to be honest and authentic in worship with some of the worship leaders at Wayzata Free. I just want to say thanks for coming, you guys. I, I'm excited to have this conversation. It's something that some of us have been talking about on staff. We've talked a lot about vulnerability in our personal lives, but specifically how it relates to worship is kind of an interesting topic. So we thought it would be fun to bring some of the people uh, from our church who are a part of leading worship in different ways. So I'd love to start it by uh, having each of you introduce yourself. So Garfield, if you'd like to start, that'd be great. Thanks, Sarah. This is just such a wonderful opportunity to share the virtual stage with wonderful people like you and Amaris and Lily. Um, it's just a joy. You know, I'm Garfield Boyne, and I have uh, been worshiping at uh, YZ Free for a little over 10 years now with my wife and two boys, and it's um, been a true joy. Uh, we live here in Plymouth, and um, yeah, that's it. Great. Lily? Um, I'm Lily Dunwind. And yeah, I've been worshiping always out of free since I was born. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've just taken up some leadership roles past four-ish years. Nice. And Eris? Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me to join this amazing crew of people and being able to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and so anyway, my name is Amaris. Uh, I've been worshiping with YZ for um, seven, almost eight years now. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. I love yeah. it. Well, I think with any conversation, when we're talking about something that's related to church, um, we use a lot of words and phrases that are familiar to people who attend church and not as familiar to people outside of church. And because we want to um, assume that there could very well be people listening to this podcast that don't come from a church background, one of the easiest ways to start this podcast is to talk about worship and what it is. So I'm going to start off with a couple of definitions that I've found, and I would love to hear if you think that these are accurate or if you would describe worship a little bit differently. So we'll go to the traditional Webster's Dictionary version of worship, and that says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, which I think is pretty straightforward. Another one is uh, from worshipdeeper.com, and they said, put simply, worship is declaring the greatness of someone or something. It is the act of giving up your own glory to make sure everyone knows that the thing being worshipped is pretty awesome. To put it even more uh, succinctly, worship is bowing down to lift up. And the last definition I found um, talks about the Hebrew version of worship, and that definition is the reverent love and devotion according to a deity, an idol, or a sacred object. So what do we think? We think this is an accurate description of worship. Would you describe it slightly differently? How how would you define worship? Um, uh I like those definitions, Sarah. I think they're they're all relevant. And I think what for me wrong true from the definitions that you shared is that it's a verb. Mm. It's an action word. And so um, that's 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 very compelling. And it started all the way back from the beginning of the Bible mm. through to the end of the Bible, from Genesis, where Abraham worshipped God all the way through to revelations when the angels told john to worship god 
Mm-hmm. And so it's an action. It's an action word. And um, I believe those definitions are um, right on. Mm. Other thoughts? I would totally echo what Garfield is saying. Um, and because it's an action, because it's a verb, I believe that worship involves the human body, mm. meaning it incorporates emotion, it incorporates a physical body experience or expression, it incorporates uh, the soul of a, of a person, you bring what you are to this, this expression in worship. And it, and it is also a physical way to make yourself <laughs> recognize how little you are mm. in comparison to how big this God that we serve is. Mm. It's a, it's a very tangible way to experience that. Yes. So it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a physical thing and it's a, it's a full body experience. And it's, it's like the best way to express emotion. I think a lot of times in churches, emotion gets put in check mm-hmm. uh, because we need to use our head and then we need to use, you know, our, our understanding. So we study the word and we make sure that we know what we're talking about. And a lot of times that emotion gets put into check and not that it's a bad thing. It just, mm-hmm sort of kind of gets compartmentalized, but in worship, it's one place where you can really tap into that emotion or those feelings or that sense mm-hmm. that you are having and be able to express it uh, to the Lord. Yeah, I like that. Amen. I really love how um, you talked about recognizing how little you are compared mm. to um, God. And kind of like what Garfield was talking about, like throughout the Bible, we see acts of worship and it's never like great and perfect and like David, like falling on his face or like dancing through the streets. Like those were things where people were like, that's not okay. That's not how it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was all in honor of God. And I think that sometimes our like modern view of music worship or stuff like that mm-hmm. really gets skewed and mm-hmm. we feel like we have to perfect it mm-hmm. and then yeah. that actual worship of being small mm-hmm. so that God can be big gets blown out of proportion yeah no totally I love this oh I'm, I'm getting excited because I I know <laughs> that we're gonna have great conversation here so my next question is this, sometimes we feel a little um, unsure of how to worship. I think that there are a lot of people, especially um, when we're worshiping in music or in prayer, I think sometimes people can feel self-conscious because um, we do that in our daily life with everything, right? So it's it's how do we avoid that living in that place of of what if people look at me funny? What if... I do something that's strange. What if I, you know, if I really let myself be free in expression, whether, however that's manifested, whether that's through prayer, worship, or other, I mean, music or other different uh, ways of worshiping God, how do we avoid that being uh, self-conscious? I feel like that is a universal feeling of what, what are people thinking about me, but it is very clear that in the word, God never said in 
in worship and in praise that you should be considering yourself. Mm. The whole idea of worship and praise is to consider God. The, The whole concept of worship is that you are acknowledging someone other than yourself. Mm -hmm. So as common as it is to experience it, Mm. it's like the one thing that stops us from truly being able to enter into a space of praise and worship because we are still thinking about ourselves or still considering uh, the judgment of others toward ourselves Mm -hmm. or feeling uncomfortable because I might look odd or be considered whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the work in worship and the work in praise is, I think, to get to that place where we recognize, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This isn't about how I look. This is about God. This mm-hmm. is about having a relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. And I like, you know, and at any point that we're in a natural relationship with someone, you know, like I remember when I was first dating Dan and it was like, I didn't like, I didn't want to do anything gross or dumb or I want to say anything stupid. Like, and I didn't want to appear that I didn't know something or I wanted to be like gracious and pretty about Mm -hmm. how I didn't know something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, but then in that relationship, you, you learn to trust that mm. that person is not going to judge you for your inexperience or he, that person won't judge you or, or hurt you for your lack of understanding or whatever it is. You learn to trust this person. So it, again, it comes back to having this relationship with a God that you can say, Oh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, Mm -hmm. this feels completely awkward and scary and, and totally weird, but I trust and know that Mm -hmm. you are going to hold me and capture me. And this is a safe place. You you go to therapy and, you know, they say, this is a safe place to talk and, you know, express yourself openly. Then, I mean, (laughs) How much, how much more shouldn't that place of worship be like that than therapy, right? To have that relationship with the one that's going to hold you in safety. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Wow. Amherst, that was so well said. Um, and I want to underscore something that you articulated, which I think is so often forgotten, Sarah, given the question you asked, is worship is an act that's directed towards someone else, not us. Right. And so you're so right, Amherst. We spend a lot of time thinking about us as part of the equation mm. and not leveraging ourselves as an instrument yeah. to give back that gift because yeah. it's a gift, right, of adoration and praise that we're giving back to our creator, our king of kings. And the Bible articulates not only, not no single way of doing this, mm-hmm. right? There are a variety of ways that we're called to worship. Mm-hmm. Right, the Bible says that we can bow down and kneel before Him. Mm-hmm. Other aspects of the psalm says we shout and right. we clap, and other aspects of the psalm, the very same Bible says, "Be still and know mm-hmm. that I am God." All of Come those Come are on. powerful ways of the act of worship. So yeah. there's no one way, or you know, of doing this. Go through the Bible, and so you worship the way how you feel led and inspired mm-hmm. to give that adoration back. 
Hmm. I love that. And I think that there's something to, when you say that, I think there's something to the fact that we have, especially in churches, um, had stumbling blocks with worship because different generations were choosing to worship in different ways, right? Or looking for different music to be the thing that drove them to get closer to God. And if done differently, as we kind of gone, have gone through the different decades, that that somehow has prevented people from being in worship. And I think that when we realize that it's not about our personal preferences, um, it might look differently for us. Like I might resonate more with a certain style. And so I'm going to maybe worship God in a different way. But maybe if I'm not you know, being inspired in that way with a different type of music, I'm worshiping God in a new way in order to still be a part of the corporate whole and realize that it's not about me. And I think that that's a difficult thing for people. But when you finally get to that point where you realize that this is, this is about you pointing towards God and not about your own personal comfort level and preferences and whether people are watching you, all the things that we've talked about so far here, I think that's when you start to realize it's okay, no matter what we do and how we change the style or the way in which we produce our, our uh, services, that really we can, we can commune with God in, in a variety of different ways. You were talking about different styles of music and that kind of stuff, and it just made me think of like acts of service is a type mm. of worship. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, like when I'm digging a six-foot hole at my camp, that's a Christian camp, that's an act of worship at service, but I'm mm. certainly not like hip hip hooray, I'm six feet deep in dirt. Yeah. Right. But that's okay. And that's still an act of worship. Yeah. And there can be a separation from like the physical enjoyment mm-hmm. of the action you're doing and the enjoyment of doing it for God and yeah. honoring him. And I, I think that's that really meant to overlook that we feel like we have to have this emotional like in this moment, I am so happy to be singing this specific song. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and and going off of what Lily's saying, uh, worship worship is definitely an individual expression, mm-hmm. but it's also a corporate expression. Mm-hmm. Meaning, for those who don't have church speak, right? Uh, worship is a collective mm-hmm. experience. It's something that we all can benefit from. Mm-hmm. So. When you're talking about, you know, Lily's digging a six foot hole of mud, there are other people there who are supporting her, yeah. who are encouraging her, mm-hmm. who are standing next to her. You know, when, when Garfield shouts, I mean, it, it, like, like heaven opens up in mm-hmm. church when Garfield's shouting and he's calling on the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not everybody feels comfortable, like, shouting and jumping right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but because you're a brother and sister in Christ mm. because you are a part of this community mm. because you are a member of this church you also benefit from Garfield's shouting and jumping you yeah. also benefit from Lily's digging a 6 foot hole at her Christian camp you also benefit from a, a quiet prayer you, you you benefit from the worship and praise of the people that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with. Yeah. So I think that, um, 
because I've, I've heard a lot of people come up, you know, people have come up to me and said, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really enjoy the fast, you know, the drums and the upbeat and it's too loud. And, and I, and I can't, I can't get into a place of, 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 you know, spiritual praise and worship in that atmosphere, but, but the hymns really do it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to that is, okay, if the hymns really do it for you, take your moment, get into the spirit. But when you've got somebody who's standing next to you, who really does get into the drums and the shouting and the jumping and the hip hip hurrah, support them, encourage them, pray for them. You don't have to go jumping down the aisle and waving your hands. You don't have to shout hallelujah, Mm -hmm. but you can certainly in your spirit be supporting Mm -hmm. and uplifting your brother and sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. When, when King David would go out to battle, when the Kings would go out to battle, they always had worshipers that would go out first. Now, I mean, those soldiers were carrying heavy armor, like, and they're sweating and they're, you know, in the hot sun of the day. I, I, I would venture to say that maybe not all of them were like, you know, wanting to bang a tambourine while they're trying to carry, you know, this heavy armor, but they're leaning on the worship and praise mm. and encouragement that those worshipers were giving to the entire army that was behind them. Mm. So it's, it's a corporate, it's a collective, it's a family. It's, you know, if Jesus Christ lives in you mm. and Jesus Christ lives in me, then why wouldn't your worship also bless me? Yeah. And why wouldn't or couldn't my worship also bless you? Love that. Love that. Yeah. If I can just add one other thing, because Lily, you've sparked so much thought process um, with that, uh, you know, vivid imagery that right. you painted. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what comes to mind and my heart is that we are a body of Christ. Yeah. And the Lord refers to his church as a body. And each part of the body plays a unique role. The arm, the head, the ears, the eye, every part of the body plays a unique role. And together, how powerful that is. And so I I use that to say, we we can all show up Hmm. however we show up with our truth, with our mess, Hmm. right? Before the Lord, whether it's corporately inside of the church, the walls of the church, or wherever we are at, to, be in, to, to live a life of worship, because worship is not just an activity we do within the walls of the church yes, or campground. It's a lifestyle, yeah. right? And it ought to be, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the best at it, nor am I going to say I'm the <laughs> ideal role model, but I think we're called to live a life of worship mm. 24-7, right? And our sleeping and our waking, how are we showing that, you know, ascribing that value and worth and reverence Mm-hmm. To, our, to our king of kings as as Amber said we are we are small and he is our great god right definitely so as i have been led by many of you all of you actually in this room have led me um in worship in our services i have experienced um in watching you which is a weird thing to say because again it's about god but there's a level of of service and leadership that you all have displayed in being in a position of leading us in worship. And I've seen you be vulnerable and I've seen you experience freedom and let go. 
So I would love to know when you have, if you have examples of those moments, what you felt in those moments, what led you to that place, what you experienced in those moments. Because if someone has never had that, never known what it feels like to truly let go in worship and to be free to express yourself and to feel vulnerable, because I know that you all have done this because I've seen, I have witnessed it. I would love to know um, for our, our people that are listening, what does that look like? How has that felt for you? Kind of two different examples. One, when I first started um, using flags for worship, a friend of mine introduced me and I was a little like, but, but I'm a dancer. And when I started, it was weird. Um, I was in the back and I was waving these flags around and I felt like people were staring at me. Hmm. Uh, but then as I went, I just kind of started like stop thinking about other people. And I had to persevere through that initial like weirdness of that. But once I pushed through the initial weirdness, it was incredible. Everything kind of disappeared once I broke through that wall. And even after I kind of came back to present, um, and I was aware that people were in fact staring at me because I was the weird 12 year old waving flags. <laughs> it was okay. And I was okay with that. And that's not to say that every time I do something that feels out of the ordinary for God, I feel that way. But in those moments I do. And when I'm on stage and I'm really going at it and my voice cracks because I'm really going at it, my face turns red and I get all embarrassed but being okay with that embarrassment and kind of going back to that whole little so that God is big, like it's good that my voice cracked so that everybody can know it's not me. It's God. Yeah. This is a little bit of semantics. Mm -hmm. I'm not super fond of using the word vulnerable in worship, mostly because of the definition of the word vulnerable uh, being that it vulnerable is putting us in a place, physical or emotional, where we could be attacked. So vulnerable with you, vulnerable with other people, mm -hmm. certainly. Yes, I have been there. Mm. Um, and mostly because I had no other choice. I was just in a place of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Not because I chose it, not because I was doing something amazing and not because I had any control of myself. It was just that. More when in worship, the word says to be broken and contrite in spirit. That I can get behind. Yeah. And that is church speak. So people who are listening who may not go to church, as Garfield and Lily have said already, and you, Sarah, it, being broken, like bring your mess. Like mm. none of us have this thing figured out. Uh, contrite means recognizing that you screwed up and recognizing how small you are in relation to how big God is that we serve. The times when that, as you had said, vulnerability, the vulnerability came with the people that were in the room. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there was no control over that. It was vulnerable and open to attack, open to thoughts of criticism, open to judgment. But honestly, if we're talking about worship, 
I could care less. Okay. <laughs> it hurts. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to be like superwoman. Yeah. It hurts when people don't like what I say or what mm -hmm. I sing from the stage. It hurts. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, that hurt holds nothing to the love and the safety that I am in relationship with, with Christ. Mm -hmm. so, so my brokenness and my contrite spirit towards the Lord, uh, and it says in the word, um, where, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When you are in worship, there is freedom to say, I'm a mess, y'all. I do not have it together. I screwed this up. And okay, and let's just be honest. Like there have been times, like y'all were there. I was leading <laughs> worship and I started the song on the wrong key, like way not in the house, okay? Being vulnerable with the people in the room, yes, but never vulnerable with the Lord because the Lord would never attack and he would never harm. The Lord holds and he resolves mm -hmm. and he restores and he reconciles and he uplifts and he does all of those things. So in worship, it's always for me. When you have seen that from me, it's always been me saying, God, I don't have this. You've got to do something through me. Mm. And that's a little like window into my relationship with God. Mm. So really what it is, is not necessarily me being vulnerable, but it's opening up the window to mm. my heart. It's opening up the front door to my house and saying, come on in and join me in worship. I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and if I might add, you know, I, I didn't say this, but I'm sure everyone probably knows um, by now. I'm from Jamaica, so I grew up in the islands. And there is uh, a cultural dimension, too, mm. of worship and style of worship. And so I grew up, um, you know, around tambourines. Mm. I grew up around, you know, three-hour services yes. where an hour and a half is just freedom of singing from the pulpit to the back of the church on every corner. Yeah. just feeling that freedom because it's the environment. That was the ecosystem that was created, hmm. you know, for me. So I just want to give context to that, yeah. right? To say that I, I, I grew up as a, a young man in the faith at 12 years old, giving my life to the Lord in that kind of environment where there was complete freedom, hmm. you know, of expression in worship. Right. The other thing I'll say is, as you, you've, you've asked Sarah, um, yeah. You know, you, you know, in terms of my, my worship at YZ of Free and, and elsewhere, my wife will tell you, I jump in the car and the first thing I start to do is pray. Hmm. And I'm not saying that to be a self-righteous dude because I'm not, right? But I really, I, see, I start calling on the Lord and the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to have your way in me. Yeah. I do not want to be the person that hinders someone's interaction with you today. Hmm. But I just want you to work freely in and through me to elevate you. And hopefully someone, even one person, may be drawn closer. Even one burden may be lifted. Even one person might say, Lord, come into my heart. And so that's my prayer hmm. as I jump in that car and I get to church on a Sunday morning. So when you see those opportunities or those moments, hmm. as you've described, where 
I kind of sometimes have an out-of-body experience yeah. because I'm so not thinking about me, completely not. Right. And I'm like, okay, whatever the Lord places in me is the manifestation of what comes out. Mm. I don't know how else to explain it, Sarah. Yeah. I just know that I asked the Lord to do something, mm. right? This is not me making up something or making up a sound or whatever. I said, Holy Spirit, will you work in me today? Mm. Will you just cleanse me from all unrighteousness and anything that will, you know, cause me, you know, you know anything that will block my ability mm. to commune with you mm. in this place? Mm. And I think um, I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ, right, mm. irrespective of your background, to just seek the Lord as you're entering into this place mm. and into this space, to just ask the Lord to do a work in each of us yeah. so that we can show up with our authentic selves and truly experience the fullness of the presence of the Lord. Yeah, I love that. I have to read this quote. I wrote down a couple of quotes. So throughout our conversation here, as we go, I might bring some of these things up. And one of them was, uh, God is near whether you are happy or not. Don't equate the presence of God, a good mood or a pleasant temperament to whether or not he's here in this place. And I think there are a lot of times when we experience corporate worship that we might, and corporate meaning with other people in worship, Sometimes we will read the, the feeling of the room or the temperature of the room and try to, to say that, well, I'm not sure that God was showing up or, or maybe we couldn't feel the Holy Spirit or something was somehow getting in the way. Have you experienced that? Do you think that's accurate? Is it more that God is always near? It's just that we haven't dealt with something that we're bringing with us or uh, we are under some sort of attack, some spiritual attack, or what, what, is your, what is your take on that? I know many of you have, have led worship in different places, not just within a church, maybe at a, a retreat, or Lily, you've been a part of the youth worship as well, so in lots of different uh, ways, whether that's on a missions trip or something else, you're not always in a church environment, so sometimes you're walking into all sorts of different stuff. What has been your experience with that? I, I mean, there have been times when Garfield and I have looked at each other and we were like, something feels funky, mm. but we're just going to do what we do because brother, I got you, you've mm-hmm. got me. So let's grab everybody by the collar and let's take them into the holy place and let's just worship the Lord. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll be in the middle of a song and Garfield looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, go, just mm-hmm. do what you got to do. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, an upbeat praise or whether it's sort of a worshipful, you know, down kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Yes. I totally agree with that quote. Mm -hmm. Um, In Psalms 34, it says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are broken of heart and he saves those of a contrite spirit. The Lord is near, whether you're like in a really good place or whether you are in a terrible place. Yeah. Uh, and and part of what you said about, you know, there might be something going on that we haven't dealt with or some sort of, you know, uh, brokenness that hasn't been healed or whatnot, it, that's, that's going to be in all of us. But again, I think that goes back to this idea of we are worshiping together. So if there's one of us who just can't get it together, that's why it's so important for the next door person standing at your shoulder to say, I got you either go and do it or I got you. I'm going to do it with you. You know, I'm going to hold your hand up high Mm -hmm. and we're going to do this thing together. 
right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason why we worship together. Mm -hmm. and, and part of what Garfield was saying about coming into this place of worship, you know, it, he, he said he used the word ecosystem. And immediately, like I'm thinking like the water cycle, right? I'm going into teacher mode. And I think about the water <laughs> cycle. And if you have a life of worship, it feeds into your expression of worship, which feeds into supporting others in worship, which mm. feeds into the presence of God in worship, mm. which feeds, I mean, it's like a never ending cycle. So if you are in a, living in a place of constant worship, whether you're up or whether you're down, mm. it's going to affect the, the, the body as a whole. I was just gonna talk about, um, I've worshiped during retreats and during camp as well. Um, and there's something we talk about, we talk about a spiritual high. Um, and I think it can be great. It can also be very dangerous because it means that if kids are experiencing Jesus for the first time in this setting, and all of a sudden they go back to their everyday life and they don't have that, it's really hard. And it's hard to get back to a place with Jesus, but that's not the point. Um, the point is, you know, a lot of times people can recall specific nights and stuff like that. Like whenever on retreat, people are like, oh, like, can't wait for Saturday night because there's always this cycle of Saturday night is the big, like, that's when everybody's feeling moved. And I think it's really important to note everything that happened before Saturday night. When you get to a retreat by Saturday night, it's the end of the retreat you've done. You're leaving the next morning, but you've been soaking in God's word and you've been surrounded by people that want similar things and are supporting you in your relationship with Jesus. And so it's less of a, is God there? And what's God like, what's his, the spirit presence isn't more or less certain days mm. it's about where our heads are at and where our spirits are at mm. um right and it's like at camp I worship better at, that's a horrible term but like oh, yeah. I feel more moved when I'm at camp because I've been spending my entire three months summer surrounded by people who want similar things and who are worshiping with me mm. And so when people might say like, oh, wow, the spirit was really present that night. Well, no, the spirit was present every night, but right. I was in a mental state and my mm. spirit had been groomed yeah. <laughs> to this point of being able to connect in a way I hadn't before. Love and it. I think, yeah, the spirit is always there. It's about where we're at as people. Hmm. That's very insightful. Wow, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you, you, I mean, you guys just covered all the territory. Probably the one thing I'll say, Sarah, to the question is just a reminder that we're all born in sin mm. and shaped in iniquity, mm. and there is not a, there's not going to be a perfect, you right. know, every Sunday is going to feel the same way, or every day we go and, you know, we go, we have our emotions. We're humans, and I think, um, I think it was the Apostle Paul that said the spirit and the flesh are always at war with yeah. each other. Yeah. And so there's a recognition that that plays out too. Yeah. Even when we're in the tabernacle, when we're in the house of the Lord, the, the, the spirit and the flesh sometimes are going to be at war and sometimes the flesh wins. I'll tell you that has happened to me too. Yeah. But I think it's continuing to live that surrendered life to the spirit. You, you, we are more, we're going to be more in tune with the recognition that the spirit is there and ever present. 
Yeah. But if the if the if the flesh is winning, we're not going to necessarily feel that. And so, right. just just thinking about that, I think will just help us to calibrate that there are going to be those days. So we got to say, hey, I want to push through here. I want the spirit to win today. Right. Yeah. It's an intentional yeah. surrender to allowing the spirit to win in our lives daily. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like- I could not have said it better. So good. We've used a lot of different phrases and descriptions, and I 100%, I'm so glad, Amaris, that you unpacked even vulnerability, because that's that's a great way to rethink that, because um, I wasn't even thinking of the attack part, of feeling like you might be attacked to vulnerability, so I, I appreciate that definition. And I guess from my perspective of all the things that we've set up to this point, what's the desired result of a congregation or a group of people who choose to do these things that you're talking about, about supporting one another, being honest, being um, authentic in worship and coming prepared. If, if we're really truly doing that and seeking God prior to walking into worship and, and wanting to really be free in our expression, what, what's the result of that? What do we hope to gain from that? And is it about us? Again, we go back to, if we're pointing towards God, then this isn't a, you know, I don't want to answer my own question, but I kind of am. Like, I, you know, I, don't, I think that that's kind of, you know, I mean, back me up, but I, I feel like yeah. church, we oftentimes are saying like, so what's the end goal? And, and I think if the yeah. end goal isn't a corporate goal, it might just be that we as individuals are, are learning how to grow closer to God through worship. And, yeah. and the benefit of doing that together is what? I think it was mentioned earlier, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, yes. yeah. right? Yeah. There is a ton of liberty. And I think liberty for the spirit to do a work in us individually, yeah. but also corporately. And I think so many, I mean, we are, we, are the, we are the ones that, you know, hinder the spirits moving mm-hmm. and the spirits working. Right. And, you know, and, and right. the Holy Spirit wants to work and move in us, but we can put up walls that hinder that. And so what I think will happen, you know, if we are, if we all let our guards down and allow the Holy Spirit to work, we will see that power. Mm. We will see the power of healing, mm. right, you know, in front of our own eyes and not just only physical healing, but spiritual healing. Right. right? We will see a body that's more unified. And I think as Amrish mentioned, we're holding up each other, right, in our, in our dark places, and we're shining a light on those places where we're seeing the manifestation, mm. you know, of, of that working. Just wanted to share that as we kick off this part of the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, and I'm going to jump in on that too, Garfield, because what I want to see, <laughs> okay, let me tell you, you asked me what I want to see <laughs> in this, you know, family of worship, right, this mm. experience. What I want to see is people in active relationship with Christ who are being changed, who are being healed, who are having reconciliation, who are being restored. That's what I want to see. Now, let me tell you something. Is that what I'm going to see? It's not guaranteed. Is it any of my business what happens to you in your heart? It's none of my business. That's between you and God. What is my business is to hold your hand, to support you, Mm. to love you, to not pass judgment and to say, I'm willing to walk the hill with you. Mm. What, Um, what, what comes from a place of worship 
is God said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Amen. Right? You can make a crooked place straight. Hmm. Right? He will restore what was meant for evil. Hmm. He will restore it to his perfect plan and his perfect will. Hmm. So uh, the, the, thing, the thing that we get caught up in, like you said, is this really about us or is this about God? Well, I, I don't know what's going to happen in your heart and I may not ever see it, no. but that's between you and God. Hmm. My business is to worship. My business is to be available to my brothers and sisters yeah. and together let's go and make the world a better place. Love it. Yeah. I think it makes this really cool cycle um, where, you know, as we worship together and we build this community and we honor God, obviously there's this love that becomes, that comes between us and we're more willing to sacrifice. Right. Right. I'm going to be totally okay. Like I worship better. I connect better with more modern music because I'm 16 and (laughs) that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy listening to, but I'm totally totally open to doing more hymns because I know that other people are going to connect well and I want other people to connect well. And so this cycle continues of people willing to sacrifice for other people. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we have this community that is just loving and is, has all of these different aspects and, and people are happy with that Mm -hmm. and they're happy to sacrifice for other people. A.W. Tozer has a quote that says, we cannot pray in love and live in hate and still think we are worshiping God. Right. And we have talked as a church about um, addressing racism, and we've talked about a variety of different um, subjects as it pertains to uh, marginalized groups of people. And I think right now specifically, if we, if we truly say that we're worshiping God, what does that look like? When you talk about, it's not my place to judge, um, it's my place to come alongside and love, and, and I think that that is uh, a part of worshiping God is that expression of, of loving like Jesus loves, right? Loving first. And I think that that is part of this conversation. You, so if there's something that you would like to say as it pertains to that, I'd love to hear that as well. So here's what I would offer. And it, it's been in my mind and um, in my heart uh, from the start of this session. And it's First uh, Corinthians 13, 13. Mm-hmm. You know, for, you know, these three yeah. remain faith, hope, and love. Yes. And the Bible says the greatest of these is love. Yes. Love binds all things together. Mm-hmm. It heals the broken heart. And I think irrespective of the color of your skin, irrespective of um, your background and where you came from, it's about love. Love is the one thing that will be able to thread through all of our collective experiences and our backgrounds and our challenges and our mountaintop experiences. Mm. And so perhaps that would be my, you know, my parting word, you know, for us to all remember that it's that, that love, that love of Christ that really is so powerful and palpable that binds all together. And without that, we don't have anything, mm. right? Everything else falls apart. But mm. if we see true the love, the way how Christ loves. And I can tell you that's not easy, right? Yeah. But yeah. we're called to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it goes back to that first, de- when we're talking about the definition of worship, right? It's about honor. And if we're not loving people, we're not honoring God. Hmm. And so if we're not loving people, we can't worship. And 
echo everything that Garfield said. And that quote, I think is spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll piggyback off of what Lily and Garfield are saying. Um, it's, it is, it is a, a matter of honoring God, recognizing how broken I am mm-hmm. and loving beyond what I see and feel because that's what Jesus did for me. Mm. Not because I can, not because I have it within me to do it, but because he gives me what I need, right? Uh, And modeling our life of worship after David, that dude was broken, okay? He was broken Mm -hmm. and he made some serious mistakes and still God said, this is a man after my heart. And the reason why he said that was because he prayed in Psalm 5110, David said, create in me, O God, a new heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can all have a heart that honors God mm-hmm. to develop an ecosystem that includes everyone in this space of worship because of the love that Jesus gave for us. And we all cry out together saying, create in me a new heart, O God, renew a right spirit of love in me. And then you said, you asked us, what do you want to see out of this? It's not necessarily what I want to see, but what happens when we all come together in this spirit of worship is we see the fruits of the spirit. We see love in action. Mm -hmm. And like Garfield said, this isn't easy. Okay. And it, and it's not just for people who get up on the stage to lead worship. Mm -hmm. It's for all of us. We have all been called to this life of worship. Mm. Hallelujah. I had to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, this is your last call, worship leaders. <laughs> You're feeling something and the Holy Spirit is speaking. Now's your moment. <laughs> so oh, Sarah, this, this has been uh, a, a wonderful um, session. And, uh, you know, we could go on. I think uh, <laughs> worship is such a big topic. Um, yeah. You know, there are so many views about it. But I think full circle where we're coming from, it's really understanding what it's about. Hmm. It's not shining the light on us. It's shining the light on Christ. And it's really grounded in love. And I think if we if we just remember that and just seek to always ask the Holy Spirit to do, it, do, its, do its work in us yeah. um, and surrender to that, I think um, we will see hmm. the fruits yes. you know, of the Spirit. So thank you for you know yeah. the opportunity to share the virtual stage with my wonderful sisters in Christ. And I look forward to... Oh, the Lord will continue to use each of us for his service. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.